It's always good to have your weaknesses uh, right out there so that everyone knows uh, you know, what your stumbling points are. Uh, one of mine is that I can't spell for toffee. Um, I, I couldn't actually spell for toffee either, but um, uh, I sent out an email uh, earlier this week, signed from both Meg and I to um, uh, a large number of people in the church, and then Meg summoned me from the sofa uh, and told me what I'd written, which really just wasn't English, let alone not being spelt right. Uh, that just the words were completely the wrong order. But anyway, uh, you know, so it's good to be able to humble oneself in front of the church family. Uh, you know, there are things that I can do and things that I can't. Spelling's not one of them. Um, as I come to to this kind of passage, I, I feel a bit, a lot, humbled. Because Jesus is so good at this stuff. He is so good at engaging with people. He is so good about being in the moment and saying the right thing. And part of my struggle is I want to extract from this passage exactly what Jesus' formula is for engaging with other human beings and leading them to him. Um, the problem is this I, I, have any of you ever done a coaching course some of you are nodding some of you got no idea what I'm talking about a coaching course is, is, is you know there's all these big flouncy words around about mentoring and coaching but the coaches are purists they're like you know we're going to have very uh, particular sorts of conversations with people I went on a coaching course to learn at the age of 43 how to have conversations I was like what on earth are they going to teach me? First two days, kind of, yeah, okay, yeah, I know this, know this, know this. And then you get to day three, and they go, right, well, we've done a few practices. Now we're going to do a practice, and uh, everybody's going to be watching you have a good conversation with someone else. <laughs> it's terrifying. When we then later on did one-to-ones... And I'm sitting with the person who's coaching me about how to be a coach. And she just looks up and she's like, less, Mark. I'm like, how can I possibly do, you know, it's like, hit pause. How can I do any less than what I am doing now? Less, Mark. Okay, right, let's do less questions. Because I always ask double questions, so make sure you ask one question. Shorter. Mm. And then she said, right, Mark, no words, nothing. Do you know what? We had the best conversation ever. It was amazing. The, the things that the other person said when I finally shut up was phenomenal. And it turns out I had quite a lot to learn about how to have good conversations, and I'm still learning how to do that. So Jesus, as our model, as our illustrative guide about how to have really focused, good conversations, and I want to extract from him exactly what the model is so that when I am with other people, I know what to say. And we're talking in this series about Jesus, the life giver, all the qualities that he has. But the problem is it doesn't get off to a very good start. 
You see, Jesus is going about his day and he passes by John and uh, John says, the Lamb of God. And two of John's disciples, I mean, this doesn't, you know, if you're into the, you know, getting followers business, um, then you saying something and you two of your followers going off and then following someone else, it uh, doesn't seem like a good scenario, unless, of course, that's why you're there, which, of course, is why John was there. And so they uh, start to follow Jesus. Honestly, I don't think he's very friendly. He turns around and he says, what do you want? I'm not entirely sure that's the tone we don't get the tone from the niv but to me it seems like if this was jesus's first possible followers according to john i'm like if i was jesus i'd be like right come on then (laughs) but he's like what do you want so they ask him a question where are you staying and it's like he comes back and pushes them it's almost like he pushes them away well if you want to do this then come and follow me and you'll see come and you will see so they go and spend the day with him Andrew is one of them he's Simon Peter's brother he was one of the ones that heard and then we have this amazing little snippet he was one of the one Andrew was one of the ones that followed and the first thing that Andrew does is to go and find his brother we have found the messiah you know that's not bad for an afternoon's work on Jesus' part two blokes make a choice to follow him and they follow and and Jesus is kind of quite pushy they spend the afternoon they only get to four o'clock and Andrew has already decided we have found the Messiah and he goes and gets his brother and says come on so I'm like the next sentence should be if we're following Mark's conversation rule book that when Simon comes and finds Jesus that Jesus should say to him what do you want? he doesn't I don't know how well they know each other or not but Jesus looks at him and says you are Simon son of John and I'm going to change your name (laughs) you know again this does not seem like a great introduction you know if I did that on my arrival here at All Saints I'm not sure that anybody you know I mean it would be a lot easier from my perspective actually if I could call you all something that I thought you looked like I mean that would be easier for me then I'd have a chance of remembering your names I was working really hard as we did communion this morning at the 11 o'clock uh, so hard to remember a particular person's name that as her husband came forward I said Ali the body of Christ only it was Ernie and Ali was standing just behind him you know it would be a lot easier if I could call you all what I want but that's not but according to Jesus he can meet someone for the first time or maybe they know each other well but something's changed in this conversation and go you're not going to be called that you're going to be called something else oh no hang on we're two in and I'm struggling with the rules here Jesus and then Jesus decides to go somewhere else Again, I don't understand the rules. If if this seems to be going quite well for Jesus, he's collected two people to follow him already, and his plan is, we're going somewhere else. 
what? Jesus, I, I, you know, I, I want to catch up, so let's, let's follow this through. Finding Philip, he simply says to Philip, follow me. These three guys are all from the same town. Philip, Andrew and Peter. Philip does something really interesting. Straight off, he goes and finds Nathaniel. We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law. How long had they spent together? Was it another afternoon and John just didn't include it in the text? It doesn't seem to give us that much wriggle room. It seems to me Jesus says, follow me to Philip. Philip goes, ah, we've arrived and goes immediately to go and find Nathaniel. Nathaniel's like, no, this is not happening. Have you seen where this guy has come from? How does that? Let's backtrack just a moment. We found the one that Moses had written about in the law, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathaniel's response, Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Come and see. There's this invitation. Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, so I'm expecting the rules to kick in again here, he's either going to go, what do you want? Or he's going to change the guy's name. Jesus just looks at him and says, here truly is an, is a, is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How does Jesus do this stuff? And Nathaniel's response, how do you know me? In that one moment, Jesus knows him, speaks to him, identifies who he is, how he's wired. And Nathaniel's response is, how did, how did that happen? And Jesus gives him an answer, well, I, I saw you when you were over there. Rabbi, uh, Nathaniel's response, just like the others, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Let's hit pause there for a moment. Wouldn't you love to have conversations like that? Wouldn't that be great? You know, occasionally they happen, and please don't, please don't miss here where I'm going with this. We're not going to get to the end of this session, and we're going to pray for one another, and then you're all going to have conversations exactly like Jesus, and you're going to know what to say in the moment. I mean, that would be great, and sometimes that happens, but, but I, I want us to, to get something slightly different from this. Two things. The first is this. I'm not sure that Nathaniel did get it. I mean, it's a really clear set of words. Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. But I think Jesus' response again, verse 50, highlights something slightly different. It says, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. Nathaniel, you're going to see greater things than that. However much you think you've got me and understood me, there's going to be more. You're going to see heaven opened, the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Wow. 
So the one thing that I want to draw out of this, the first thing that I want to draw out of this is that the moment we think we've got God pegged, He's got more for us. The moment we think we can kind of go, yes, I've made sense, He kind of, there's more. And I don't mean more that takes us away from God has come in person, the person of Jesus Christ, died on a cross for the sins of the whole world and has been raised to life so that sin is defeated and we can have fullness of life. And he pours out his spirit. I don't mean more than that. Because that's a lifetime of discovery. What I mean, the riches of his character, about who he is, about how much he loves us. In our little... um, pre-service prayer meeting we have a we had a wonderful little mind flip moment it was great uh where uh one person had uh, a word peter had a a picture of uh of like a weather map and the heat map and it was kind of it was it was getting hot and zoned in on on bath or bristol and it was like yeah wow great that's what we want and then allison had this picture of looking at the sun looking at us how exciting Looking at, oh, I'm still on. Looking at the sunset, and and the rays of the sun glistening on the water, and it like all of the light is coming towards me. How precious, how chosen am I, that in this moment the sun would dare to shine on just me. Oh, and me who's standing just next door, <laughs> and me absolutely specific and individual for each and every one of us that's how how, how <laughs> it's exciting i don't know whether to talk or dance <laughs> both no the the dancing wouldn't be helpful um This one's coming here. Um, Fantastic. Um, However much we've discovered of who God is, there's always more. There's always more. It is an amazing, wonderful adventure. But there's one other thing from this passage that really struck me, and it's this. It's that when Andrew, uh, when Philip describes to Andrew, no, it's the other way around. Which one is it? Yeah, when Philip describes to Nathaniel that he has discovered Jesus, the way that he describes him is this. He's Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. You know, the one who's the Messiah, he's Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth. You know, Joseph's son. There's no reason to say that other than pinning it down to, it's that guy. You know, Jesus of Nazareth. Joseph's son. What's changed? It sounds to me like this is someone they know. 
It sounds like this is someone who they've been around. The family is smaller. They're connected to one another. They know him even if they know of him. What has changed? John chapter 1 verse 32. Then John gave testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. Jesus has spent all of these years learning his dad's trade, hiding away, waiting for his moment, And when the Holy Spirit rests and remains on him, he steps into all the things that his Father has sent him into the world for. Suddenly people can recognize him for who he is, for the one that gives invitations to life. Even if each one is crafted in the way that the person in front of him needs to hear it. Even the ones where Jesus seems to be pushing people away, they're actually invitational. You know, the ones where he challenges the rich young ruler. The one here where he says, what do you want? It's as if he doesn't want people to follow him. Even those are invitational. What he's saying is, will you set down all of the preconceptions, all the things that get in the way? And will you follow me for who I am? What changed in Jesus? Well, he was already full of the Spirit. He was full of the Holy Spirit from birth. But somehow now the Holy Spirit is resting upon him. He's moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. You know what these guys did last week when they went into the water? It wasn't a decision of a moment, but it was a lifetime's call. And for each and every one of us, that lifetime call to keep on following Jesus wherever he will lead us. You know, you might have a job where, where you think, ah, oh, I can really apply this Christian faith thing to my job. Fantastic. I know how to work this through. I can kind of tick all the Christian boxes of, excellent, I have worked this out. You know, you, you may, you may do maths for someone else. You know, you may crunch the numbers and be an accountant. You know, God's still in that. He still called you into that place to do that job really well. To serve him in that place. It takes a lifetime for us to figure out, but it starts in a moment. It's just that we keep on having that moment 
where he says, will you follow me? Will you follow me today? And that Holy Spirit that rested and remained on him. It's the same Holy Spirit that rests and remains on us. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us.